all of a sudden, I truly felt like I had had the wind knocked out of me, like couldn't breathe, tight chest. And the only thing in my mind was Julia, which is my sister's name. And then my breath came back and my thought bubble was, she's okay. The next morning I wake up to a message from her on Facebook and it says, I'm okay. And yesterday I had rented a moped. I hit a bump. I went flying off of it. I had the wind knocked out of me. I'm really bumped and bruised, but I'm going to be totally fine. Welcome to the Intuitively Aligned podcast, a place for changemakers to cultivate their intuition and foster greater impact in their everyday lives. I am your guide, Sydney Bloom. Zoe Pallier is a corporate litigator turned entrepreneur, executive and leadership coach organizational consultant, facilitator, speaker, and podcast host of The Field, a podcast focused on sharing the stories of formerly incarcerated people and inspiring a future where they are seen for their humanity and not judged for their past. She is also a coaching consultant and head of practice at Bright Ventures and co-founder of Trove, a new wellness meat spa concept opening its first location in Toronto in the fall of 2023. The breadth and scope of what she has accomplished in her career would more realistically be attributed to a room full of people. But instead of listing for you how she's created this extraordinarily diverse career, the story is better told through this conversation, including how Zoe has tapped into her deep inner knowing each step of the way. Zoe, welcome to the podcast. I'm so touched. That's like (laughs) such a kind (laughs) introduction. Well, maybe to start, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and where you come from? Yeah. I was born and raised in Toronto to two wonderfully loving parents who whose backgrounds have had a huge impact on me and my life and who I am. My mom is an immigrant from Venezuela. She lived there until she was 13 years old. She was born there to Polish parents who had fled from Europe after World War II and then came to Canada as as a young girl. And my dad is the son of Macedonian immigrants. So definitely a lot of experience that they had growing up really um, being different and experiencing being othered. And so that really carried forward into my childhood because my parents were very intentional about the way that they raised my sister and I, and making sure that we really saw and celebrated difference and, you know, called out if we saw that someone wasn't being treated nicely or fairly to step in and do what we could. And so I share that because it really is a part of the fabric of who I am and, and how I show up in the world. That makes perfect sense. Would you tell me a little bit about your relationship to your intuition growing up? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's funny because in, on the one hand, I would say to you, you know, I don't actually necessarily know at what point in my younger years I connected to my intuition, but there are sort of things that happened throughout my childhood that now I can connect back. I had an invisible friend who, you know, 
if he was around, had to have a seat at the table and was very sort of present in my life and so in my parents' lives as well. I definitely and understand that and relate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That and the other thing I will say is I'm my sister and I are our best friends. We're very close. We're incredibly connected. And that was sort of apparent from the day she was born. Like always sort of like holding her hand, wanting to be close to her. We were just, mm -hmm. I think we're very connected souls. So I'd say those are really two things that I can point to from that part of my life. But I, I think it wasn't until later that I really started to, to connect to my intuition and how in tune I am to it and how much I follow it. So it's something that almost kind of comes to light for me in later years. Okay. And can you talk a little bit about what that time was like when it started to open up more? Because I know for most people, it doesn't go from zero to a hundred. There's a period where things are happening that you're noticing, at least for me and what I've observed with others. So the first time that I can really now connect to where I can say, okay, I had a really clear intuitive hit and followed it was... I went to undergrad at McGill. I graduated. I spent a couple of years working for peace builders doing restorative justice, justice diversion work. I loved what I did and knew I wanted to go back to school and do something else eventually. Okay. And so at this time, I'm sort of a year and a half, I think, out of undergrad, and I was studying for the GMAT and wanted to go to business school and become a consultant. All makes sense. It, I actually do a lot of business consulting now. It seemed like a logical path. And I remember sitting and having a conversation with one of my best friends and saying to her, yeah, I mean, this is kind of the plan, you know, studying for the GMAT, going to write it, want to apply for business school. And she said, that makes a lot of sense. And I said, or maybe I go to law school now, like pause. My parents are both lawyers. So okay. I grew up in a household of lawyers and had been told at various points of my life by many people, teachers, my parents, friends, others, that I was going to become a lawyer. And I was absolutely dead set adamant i would never become a lawyer. <laughs> i didn't want to do it i didn't want to work that hard i like i there was there it felt like i wasn't walking into it with a clean slate people know who my parents are i just like i didn't want anything to do with it and so okay. in this moment in this conversation when this came out of my mouth it was the first time that there had been any shift from my story about never becoming a lawyer. Wow. And this friend has known me since like we've been friends since we were six years old. And so this comes out of my mouth and she goes, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really do see you going to business school and becoming a consultant. And I said, no, I actually think I have to go to law school. And wow. did you shock yourself in that moment? Yes. So the way that I've always, you know, especially like before I really started to delve more into intuition and understand more about it, the way that my intuition that I experienced it was sort of as like a, a thought bubble that you would see in a, in a comic. So, okay. 
so that was kind of what happened, right? Like it's this thought bubble, it pops up, it came out of my mouth. And as soon as it did, I just felt the truth of it to my core and knew that that was what was next. And there wasn't any, and this is also sort of a common theme. There wasn't necessarily logic around it. If I really stopped and started to break it down and it it doesn't actually make any sense. I didn't love school. I don't love writing papers. I don't like right all the things that eventually led me out of law <laughs> logically i knew at the time i went into it but this knowing that i had was just more powerful than any way i could try to logic myself through it wow okay so okay so what happened next so i went to law school I did really well that I always struggled to do well in school. I always did well enough to, to get by well and never would say that I really thrived. And because I wasn't ever challenged in the right ways. And for me, it's really important to see an application of what I'm learning. And so for me, law school was the first time that I really experienced that and could feel really invested in what I was learning and its practical application. And so I was very invested. I did well in school. I graduated. I got a job practicing on Bay Street. I summered and articled and started out as an associate. And then I won't say the intuition hit again quite yet, but I started to feel that I started to feel friction there. Like it wasn't totally working for me. And at the time I was at a large international full service firm and an opportunity came up for me to do securities litigation at a bank. And so I thought, okay, great, let me try this. Maybe it's a different, you know, I've been so interested in the law and invested in what I'm doing. It didn't occur to me that maybe it wasn't actually for me long-term. So I tried a different venue. It was definitely better for a while. I ended up then sort of trying out a litigation boutique and 10 months into that, and I was working with amazing people on really challenging, interesting work. I could, there's nowhere I could have been that I could have been happier practicing law. And I started to really feel resistance to what I was doing. And again, the thought bubble came in one day maybe law isn't actually for you, but the practice of law. And as soon as it did, it was the same kind of knew the truth of it to the core of my being and then couldn't unknow it. And that was, that was the beginning of the end of my career as a lawyer. It was about four years into practice and I made the decision to leave. At the time I'm working with an executive coach who's actually a really important part of this journey for me because a part of what was happening also sort of behind the scenes is that I'm very committed to being the best at whatever it is that I do. If I'm, you know, a lawyer delivering client service, I want that client to have the best possible experience and the best outcome working with me. And that kind of carries over to whatever I do. So I'm working with this executive coach and he says, So we're basically talking about, you know, if I'm going to be a litigator on Bay Street, what is my action plan to be the very best at what I do? And so 
we kind of create this action plan and I can't, what led me to that moment was I couldn't actually put it into practice because it wasn't for me. And so when I followed up with him and said, you know what, I've come to the realization that law actually isn't for me. He said to me, okay, is there anything that you know, just off the top that you want to do? And again, thought bubble, what comes out of my mouth is, yes, I want to be a coach. Didn't know that that was going to come out of my mouth, hadn't been thinking about it, but it did. And as soon as it did, I also knew it was true. And so that kind of started me on a journey of doing a bunch of coaches training and learning and starting to practice. Where did you do your coaches training? I started out doing a certification in holistic health coaching through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which I absolutely loved, really kind of exploring holistically all of the pillars of of our lives and how each of those sort of like level up into making us happy, productive, fulfilled, purpose-driven humans. Um, And then I moved from there to CTI, which was the Coaches Training Institute and is now the Coactive Training Institute. And I did their core coaching curriculum and leadership development curriculum as well. Amazing. I've heard really good things about that program. It's incredible. I loved it. I met amazing people. I learned so much. I feel like it really set me up for success in, in starting to build my practice. And so that was happening. And at the same time, a friend of mine, one of my best friends is the founder of wax on laser and wax bar for anyone in Toronto, you may (laughs) know it. And she had started franchising. And again, the thought bubble wouldn't stop. You should open a wax on, on King West. There needs to be a wax on in the King West area. And I kind of initially for anyone, sorry. And for anyone listening who doesn't know Toronto King West is like, can you describe King West for us? Yeah. It's a really vibrant area. A lot of young professionals, a lot of really great restaurants and bars and cafes. And it was also, it's shifted a little bit post COVID, but really a hub for a lot of the tech startups and a lot of the start, the what was happening in the startup world. So really a vibrant area and there was kind of nothing like it. And so it just kept popping up for me. And finally I said, okay. So I went and had a conversation with her and said, Hey, you know, I've had this idea about a franchise in the King West area. Would you be open to franchising there? Tell me more about it. And she said, actually, we have already identified a space that's perfect. What? (laughs) Yes. But we have a mother daughter who duo who have been exploring a franchise and they're way farther along in the process. And this is the location that they've identified. So if they move forward, I don't have any reason to believe that they're not going to move forward, but if they don't move forward for any reason, it's yours. So let's just see how things unfold. And so I kind of threw it out to the universe. You know, if this is meant to be, let it be. And sure enough, a week or two later, they had been in this for, I think a couple of months, a week or two later, the mother daughter said, you know what? Daughter's getting married. We don't actually have the capacity to take this on right now. Maybe we'll come back to you at a later time. The King West location opened up and I took it. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That gives me chill. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's why you had done nothing like you took no action other than holding the intention to yes. let the let whatever's meant to be play out yeah yeah 
And I actually had started to take the steps with the wax on team around exploring sort of getting into a franchise because I had a feeling it was going to open up. And so I said, okay, why don't I at least take the steps so that if it does open up, I'm ready to go. So that makes sense. Yeah. Amazing. So again, it's sort of, it's like, I have this very varied career and often people ask me, how, why, where, how do all of these pieces fit together? And the answer really is always, and you've kind of heard it up in the journey so far, that I've really followed my intuition throughout my career. And it's led me to into all of these different spaces. And there have been many times where I've said to myself, including when I was starting Wax On, this feels a little bit random. I don't totally understand why I feel so drawn to this opportunity, but I do. And so I'm going with it. And recently, actually, I would say in the past year, it feels like all of the puzzle pieces have really come together and it's all become very clear. Maybe I'll pause for a second and just ask you something. Because I know for a lot of people, when our inner knowing prompts us to make a change, Often there are dimensions of our lives where we either feel like we need to explain ourselves to others or there are people who are questioning our path or people who have been invested in supporting a step like you mentioned going to law school and then getting set up at a firm and obviously there would have been leaders who were invested in your success on that path. In your own journey, how did you navigate following your intuition to make those changes while still honoring the relationships that you had in the places that you were leaving or redefining in your life? I love that question. Every time I've made a change, I've always been really honest and upfront about why I'm making the change. And and at the same time, have done anything and everything in my power to ensure a smooth transition. And I think that that's, and so I have amazing relationships with all of the people that I've worked with for that reason. So when I left my first firm and I was on this, I was on a secondment at the bank, which means essentially the bank as a client of the firm has contracted with the firm to bring on one of their lawyers. And I had committed to this for 10 months. And so I realized probably five or so months into it that I was going to leave the firm and join this litigation boutique. And I said to the firm, I've told them that I've committed to this 10 months and I'm still committed to this 10 months. So I'll leave it in your hands, but I'm more than happy to finish out this contract before Mm. I move on. And, you know, same with, I'm sure we'll get there, but at, at various stages in my career where I have, I've made that transition and I've known it's the right time. I've always said, what do you need for me to make sure that this transition is as smooth as possible on all of you? Obviously, nobody knows where their path will go. Are there examples of how tending to those relationships and keeping those bridges intact has served you later in a really direct way? Yeah, I think that leaving in the way that I have and maintaining relationships in the way that I have has meant I have a really beautiful network of people who I 
genuinely love and care about and who know that they can come to me if they need anything. And I know that I can go to them if I need anything. And it's meant that there's this, this just sort of growing group of people who have been so supportive of me and, and what I'm up to. I love that. It feels like an ecosystem. That's mm-hmm. how I see it. Because even though you do so many incredible things, and I definitely, definitely want to hear about your journey in firm education and evolving practices and creating your podcast, The Field as well. I know there's so many juicy nuggets as well as creating Trove now in Toronto. So I feel like we'll we'll come to all of these things, but it really does feel to me like an ecosystem where things that may not be appearing to grow in an interconnected way actually do nourish each other at different stages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Very cool. Okay. So you had had this opportunity with the King Street location to take on the franchise of Wax On and it came together in a very synchronistic way. And then what happened next for you? So I also had the manager and sort of right-hand person of my dreams kind of fall into my lap. I had hired a manager far in advance as we got closer to the opening date and she gave her notice. Her employer gave her a new offer that she couldn't refuse. And she said, I'm really sorry, I'm not going to join you. And so I was sort of left in the lurch and so posted for a new manager and, and ended up having this Angel, who was moving from Ottawa to Toronto, arrive on the scene. She was absolute perfection. And she wasn't going to be able to start for probably about six weeks until after we opened. So what happened was it meant that I was in store managing the location for the first six six or so weeks, which actually was, again, the sort of perfect turn of events because it really meant that I got to be in the business, learn it, know it, understand what was happening day to day, and then really be able to support Kate, this person who joined me. She's been with me ever since. A year later, we opened a second location in Yorkville. And alongside this, I was finishing my coach's training and starting to build my coaching practice. So that was all going great. And that's sort of the track that I was on and what I was intending to continue to do. And about, I would say probably six months into the Yorkville location existence, an opportunity fell into my lap to cover a year long parental leave back at a Bay street law firm running, learning and development for the firm. And And was that something that you had ever thought about doing? No, had not thought about it, had not been actively searching for it. I had a friend send me a job posting and she said to me, I just can't get your head out of my mind. I saw this opportunity. I don't think that you have any desire to go back into a law firm, but this posting feels like it describes you. So I felt like I had Mm. to send it to you and I read it and it was again, the immediate intuitive. Yes. So, so because from everything that you've shared, it sounds like you were done with, you thought you were, you would have thought you were done with law up until that moment where you felt the yes. 
Yes. And in fact, I had had a friend probably a week before say to me, would you ever go back into a law firm? I said, not for a million dollars. No, I would not. Or to work for anyone else. Like I'm loving doing my own thing, being my own boss. I don't have any desire to go back and work for someone else. And yet this kind of pops up and again, no logic. I would have said no to it, but it felt like such a yes that I followed the yes. And sorry, quick question for you, because I love the way you describe your inner knowing coming in as the thought bubble. Some people, well, it's interesting. Some people call it claircognizance when you just know, like you think a thought and then thinking that thought, even if it's not logically explainable, of explainable is a word. I'll take it. <laughs> Even if you can't logically justify or connect that thought to a logical sequence in your brain, you know that the thought you're having is an intuitive download. But I also notice that you describe speaking then that thought out loud and in hearing your own voice, you know that it's true, which mm-hmm. is another type of intuitive knowing, which is called clairaudience. When you hear something and then and then you feel it as that deep knowing that it is. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to highlight that and ask when this happened this time, you mentioned having the thought bubble and then speaking it, but was it something you felt in your body or was it more something where again, you just heard yourself say it, you knew that was it. I think a combination. So I got this message. I read the post. I sort of had this thought bubble and just knew. Mm -hmm. And then I spoke out loud. I was, I was on the way back from an offsite that I had been on for a couple of days with the managers of the two wax ons. And so I'm in the car with them and I say out loud to them, my friend just sent the craziest thing just happened. My friend just sent me this job posting and I think I need to apply for it. And they both were like, what? (laughs) And as soon as I said it, I knew it was over. Wow. Yeah. And, and it turns out that that job that I applied for wasn't actually where I landed. What happened was it opened the door for me to call a friend to ask her sort of in that world to ask her about the team at this other firm. And what she said was, whoa, I'm actually hiring for a mat leave <laughs> cover on my team. And I never would have imagined that you would have wanted to come back in firm. Are you interested in exploring this? So, um, it kind of set off this chain of events that landed me in what turned out to be a really beautiful and perfect role for me for the next three and a half years. Wow. Now, somebody listening might say, wow, it really sounds like you just have these perfect things land in your lap and coast through. And I know that that's not the case because you're an incredibly hard worker. You're so disciplined. Can, can you, you know, there's so much more to your story, but can you for a second just talk about um, how you understand the energetics or practice? Because maybe it's not energetic, maybe it's more around intentionality or the way that you carry yourself. Um, Can you just talk a little bit about, sorry, I feel like I'm just formulating the question, right? Like Mm -hmm. how... um, Do you really think that those opportunities fell into your lap or do you think that there was something that you were putting out in terms of your own level of gratitude or your awareness or your ability to be present and really operating with integrity in the ways that you've described? You know, how how would you explain 
what sound, you know, what could easily be framed as all of these very synchronistic things that are happening to you when, yeah, when I just sense knowing you, like, it's not as if everything just landed perfectly, but I do think you hold a certain frequency that invites that in, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, I really love that question because it's true. And I, and things do sort of quote unquote fall into my lap because of the energy that I'm putting out and because of how I'm showing up in the world for sure. So first of all, I'm a very heart led person. I lead with my heart. I engage with people with my whole heart. I am completely open, honest, authentic. There's not, um, if there's something that's on my mind, something that's bothering me, I'm going to engage in conversation in a very, you know, respectful way about it so that Mm -hmm. we can get it cleared and move on. Like I don't walk around with baggage, friction, any of that. And so. Because you've been doing that work, that inner work over the years. Yeah. And so people feel that. So people felt that in law firms and from everyone, from the people who I practiced with to the assistants, to receptionists, to people in the mailroom, to all of it. Like I, you know, and I'm getting more comfortable with sharing these things because it in a way feels like tooting my own horn, which I don't want to in any way do, but the, the you're a modest, you're a modest person. Excuse me. So I will just say it like, I know you to be the most authentic down to earth, modest person. And so when you sharing what creates the conditions Mm -hmm. to then have this life that brings opportunities, it's not actually magic. I mean, I think it's part of your magic, right? But it's actually these conditions that you're creating, which you're describing. So it doesn't sound immodest to me at all. Totally. And so in showing up in that way, in showing up in a very corporate, what can sometimes be perceived as stuffy law firm environment where a lot of people are wearing masks and a lot of people have their armor up and are engaging in the way that they believe that they should engage. I engaged entirely as myself, never tied to, is this going to mean that I'm going to get fired? Is this going to mean that whatever? No, to me, it was I'm showing up, I'm doing my best, I'm being entirely me and I'm connecting with people in a meaningful way and whatever happens from that happens. So what what that meant was that walking, as I would leave jobs, people would, you know, comment on the fact that I was a ray of sunshine in that space. And th- that's why to me it's not because I'm different from anyone else it's because I was showing up really authentically as me that makes a lot of sense so then anyone who's listening who says well must be nice you got this to happen and that to happen it's not that it just happened it's that you were showing up with integrity and authentically and working really hard to make that happen yeah and and the working really hard piece as well right I Mm -hmm. I was I don't you know, for better or worse, and this doesn't work for everyone, it does work for me. I don't have a lot of boundaries around, you know, my work and my own time, because to me, and a part of following my intuition to everything that I've I've done has meant there has been a lot of purpose and passion in every move that I've made, which means that for me, my work is my work. It's what I'm here on this earth to do. And it's how I'm here to serve the, the planet. And so 
if something pops up and I need to be working on it in the evening, on the weekend, on my vacations, wherever I am, it, it doesn't matter. If I, I'm, I'm in, I'm, if I'm in, I'm all in. And so it, to your point, yeah, it's not, yes, things fall into my lap because people know who I am and they know how I work and they know how I show up and they know what I deliver. And so that's why the opportunities arrive. And that is coupled with me being really intentional about what it is that I want to create in this world. Who do I want to work with? What is the impact that I want to have? And so actually when this job landed in my landed in my lap, I had been really intentional working with my coach around the impact that I wanted to have. And what I was talking about was coaching leaders, um, helping to impact organizational change and designing organizations and also law firms specifically in a way that promoted more equity, um, that had lawyers feeling more supported, that started to find ways to improve people's mental health in the profession. And so I, at this point, thought that I was going to be doing that through individually coaching people and leaders in that in the space. And it turned out that this opportunity came along for me to coach and to do this work but really um, in a concentrated way within one firm. I love you describing that. I think it's so powerful because without knowing it, people wouldn't know the step to get there, right? But that step is finding that clarity. And so, I mean, it, it is incredible. It is incredible that you found that clarity and then the opportunity showed up, but I, it really aligns with my own experience as well of when we're not clear, we're just kind of, randomly firing and we might be authentic and kind and extremely hardworking but if you're being all those things and firing randomly you'll just keep moving forward sort of randomly whereas if we're focused and intentional then all of those steps and measures you take really are directing at that goal and so also if other opportunities had been sent to you that were a hard no you would have been completely clear and said, oh yeah, that's a no, that's a no, that's a no, right? And this one is a yes. So I, I love you breaking it down. I think that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I love what you just said and I wanna add on to it because the other thing is, so there's, if there's a lack of intention or clarity around where people are going, there is kind of a lot of coasting. And when there's too much attachment to the how things are gonna show up, it puts blinders on and then you can't see. So I hadn't imagined that this role was gonna be in a law firm or in any sort of organization for that matter. So if my blinders were on to, this is what I'm doing, I'm building my practice, these are the clients I'm getting, this is what it's gonna look like. I actually wouldn't have been open to the way that my purpose could have manifested into a role. And so I think that's also really important is getting really clear on the what, what is it that you want to create? What is the impact that you want to have? Who are the people you want to work with and be really open to what that actually might look like and how you're going to get there. Yes. The, if you're clear on the, what the, how will follow naturally. And I think that that also just reminds me that it's easy to try to control things ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if we can be really clear and also intentional yet surrendered in a way around how it will happen then to me that's tapping into the realm of infinite possibility mm -hmm. or that's tapping into the realm of 
being able to create the life that you want. And it's not, again, I feel like this, this podcast straddles our real world professional experiences and how we get there and bringing in that intuition. I mean, in a really animalistic way that makes so much sense that you, you do everything in your physical power to be positioned for like, I, I always go back to this metaphor of the lion and the zebra, which, I mean, maybe we will cut this out. <laughs> but I always think of this example of like, in nature, the lion can smell the air and know that the zebra was there 30 minutes before and know which way to go to find it, right? Mm -hmm. And really physically, that animal is showing up in that space, clear on its intention, tapped into the environment, using all of its senses to orient itself for success. Mm -hmm. But if you looked at it through a wooey lens, you could say, oh my goodness, that lion is a miracle. Like if it was a human who did that, we would say, wow, that's magical or manifesting or what have you. But really what I'm hearing from what you're saying is you showed up prepared, you created the conditions for success. And because you had that specific orientation to and clarity to what the goal was while staying open to the how, you recognized it when it came and then you could pounce on it, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. It's actually, it's something I've been having a lot of conversations actually with my husband about around this manifestation and the fact that I think that oftentimes there's this missing piece around manifestation and then the way that it's described and I've been playing with this. So I'm going to try and say it now and let's see yes. how it lands okay I, it's it's it, in my view it's a combination of true alignment with your values your purpose your passions all of that so if you're manifesting something that's actually not for you that's aligned with somebody else's vision or somebody else's values or someone else's mission or whatever it is like that's not it so coming from a place of true alignment with yourself, getting really clear on what it is that you desire, and then starting to live from a place of you are the person who's created that. And so the energy that you're putting out, the frequency that you're putting out, and all of that are aligned with it. And you have to take meaningful action. So if you're just sitting on the couch and being like, I am Oprah. And so, <laughs> you know, unlikely that millions of dollars are going to land in your bank account tomorrow. Right. If your desire is to be a talk show host and it's truly aligned with who you are and you understand your purpose and who you want to serve and all of these things and that's what you're calling in and you are moving in this world like an absolute boss talk show host. Yeah. Those things are going to start showing up for you. Absolutely. Because you're taking the action to get there and you're yeah. clear on it. Yeah. I think you articulated that beautifully. Thanks. Amazing. Okay. Let me see if I get this straight. So you saw a job posting it made you realize that the opportunity, the what that you were pursuing was available through different means than you had imagined. In exploring it, you talked to somebody you knew in a parallel legal situation who said, wait a minute, you're open to doing that? I have an opportunity here that would be even better for you. So 
Tell us what happens next. I wasn't offered the first job. It went okay. to someone internal and I was offered the second job and I took it. So the role was really running learning and development for a large Bay Street firm. And so it was really new to me. There was a lot for me to learn. And also, you know, my background lent itself kind of really perfectly for me to step into this role. And a part of what I had seen as a gap in the world of law was, well, there were a number of things that I was able to start to address through this role. And so I think the way that I'll say it is, a couple of things. One, lawyers are trained to be adversaries and yeah. and then they, you know, start out in practice. And if they're good at being adversarial and they're good at, you know, working in that world and space, they move up and their practice grows and their reputation grows and all of the rest of it. There is no point during law school or during law firm life that people are, for the most part, really trained to be leaders. So trained to give good feedback, trained to be good at delegation, trained to be inclusive, trained to like all of these things. And so what ends up happening is that lawyers move into leadership law firms are most businesses are managed by a team of people who've been trained in various areas depending on the size of the law firm that may or may not be the case but managing partners are are lawyers and i happened to to be lucky to be at a firm with a, a really incredible managing partner who saw all of these opportunities and really is dedicated to building a different kind of law firm and so I think that's also what kept me there for so long was that I had the opportunity to to see these gaps and then start to create programming and structures and things that could start to fill in those gaps. But because there um, was an alignment around the values. Yeah. Yeah. And why those things would be important. Completely. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I spent about a year and a half doing program development helping internally and externally to provide programming on substantive law, but really the development work that I was doing was around topics around equity, diversity, and inclusion and professionalism and mental health and anti-racism and all kinds of things that I thought were, were going to be really impactful in the space. And so that was a really incredible opportunity. And at the end of that contract, I had the opportunity to continue at the firm in a role that was created for me as director of equity and associate performance, which really meant that I was looking at and managing associate performance and, and really looking at it through a lens of inclusion and looking at how can we do better with our associates? How can we ensure that they're all feeling better, better supported, that they're getting access equally to work and opportunities and skills development and the chance to engage with clients and all of these things. And so really starting to look at and shift structures in order to support all of that. What's coming to my mind is that, you know, we're in a time where I feel like everybody is taking on DEI as a mission in their organization. And I think, especially for the communities that have been most impacted by 
systemic barriers, racism, discrimination, homophobia. I think there would be people who would wonder what the difference is between an organization who's diversity washing themselves, or I don't know what you call it. I always think of like greenwashing, Mm -hmm. Um, but organizations who say that they're doing those things versus places where the culture is actually changing. Do you have Mm -hmm. any insights around that? Yeah. And this is sort of what I was doing. And this is a lot of the work that I do now. Yeah. I do have a lot of thoughts around it. I think there are a few things. One is they're really initially was sort of a shift to create more diverse workplaces. And unfortunately that doesn't work if the workplace isn't also creating an inclusive space where everyone can actually show up as their authentic self and feel a sense of belonging. And so what happens is that diverse candidates are hired into organizations and then are subjected to microaggressions and a lot of daily challenges that aren't usually aren't intentional. Sometimes that's not the case but Mm -hmm. are having a real impact on how those people are able to show up and engage. And so there needs to really be a meaningful shift around creating inclusive workplaces, structures, frameworks, and all of the rest of it. So that as your workforce is diversifying, people all can actually show up as their true selves because diverse teams, we know the data shows outperform homogeneous teams however Mm -hmm. that is the case where everyone feels like they can actually show up and bring their whole self and bring their skill set and bring their different perspectives to work because the reason why those teams outperform is because around the table you're getting diversity of thought perspective experience and all the rest of it and so people are actually able to better problem solve and to look at things in many different ways and to see things from different angles again if there isn't like a culture of psychological safety where people can show up and be comfortable that they might make a mistake and know that that's welcomed and that everyone's going to learn from that mistake, then it keeps people quiet, which actually leads into kind of that the next career move, because at the end of last year, I left this firm, loved the people and the work that I was doing, and a new opportunity had sort of come up and it felt like the right time for me to shift. And I'm now head of practice at an organization called Bright Ventures, where we do leadership coaching, executive coaching, managerial coaching, sort of career coaching across the board and Mm -hmm. also do strategic advisory work with organizations all through a lens of inclusion. So we really look at that experience of the feeling of inclusion and how do you create and foster that feeling of inclusion within your organization and create inclusive structures and practices so that every person can really live in the fullest expression of themselves and, and work in the fullest expression of themselves. Congratulations. That sounds like a really organic progression for you in terms of your own path. One thing that we missed was that you created a podcast somewhere along the way. Will you talk about the field for a minute? Yeah, I will. Okay, so I mentioned that a while back I did my training through CTI and I did their leadership program. And as a part of their leadership program, it's like a 10-month long program. And at the beginning of it, you come up with a leadership quest. So what is this something that you want to create that can be an expression of your leadership in the world, whether it's, you know, as simple as 
picking up garbage, help, like get gathering people in your neighborhood to pick up garbage or mm -hmm. as huge as, you know, being on a massive stage and doing whatever. And so really kind of the world is your oyster. You get to choose what is your quest. And so the work that I did at Peace Builders before I when went you were to law starting school, out in your career, yeah, exactly, led me to spend a lot of time in a youth detention center. So I ran a literacy and mentorship program, and I also ran a weekly discussion circles program with young men who were in jail on remand waiting for trial. And it was one of the most meaningful, rewarding experiences of my life. I got to know these young men, I got to know their stories, I got to see sort of really unfortunately up close and personal the revolving door of the justice system, seeing people leave and then back the next week or back two weeks later and understanding what had happened and what had led them there and, and really connecting deeply with their humanity. And something that has always been really heavy on my heart. And I think that as I started to get into coaching and really recognizing that my purpose, a huge part of my purpose is in supporting other people to thrive, to step into their zone of genius, like that place for me where your, where your passions meet your skill sets and where you really, really thrive. And I feel like most often we are the greatest obstacle to getting there because we don't see it. We don't believe it. We stand in our way. We create chaos and mischief and all kinds of things in our lives to prevent us from actually stepping into our full potential. Right. And at the same time, I recognize that there are many people in our society and people who've had an experience with incarceration being a huge one where societal views, structures, pressures, really are such a massive obstacle for people. And, and so I wanted to do something about that and I didn't know what I was going to do. And what it turned into was that I wanted to create a podcast. So this had been on my heart. I had been wanting to do it. And, and fast forward, how many years from your time at Peace Builders? So fast forward about 12 years from my time at Peace Builders and probably about three or four years from the time that this vision or idea initially came to me in the early days of COVID as the rest of the world had shut down and there was a lot of time sort of in isolation, I thought, okay, now's the time. And I created the podcast, it's called The Field. It is a podcast that shares the stories of formerly incarcerated people, both really with a view to humanizing their experience and what led them there, and also to help society to understand how the way that we engage with and view people who've been incarcerated impacts their ability to get back on their feet and re-enter effectively the community and so all of that was really it was that plus inspiring a new way and yes. 
really starting to have people think about how can we do better? How can we maybe not ask questions about people's criminal background where it's not important? Or if a background check does come back and there's something on it, maybe we actually just have a conversation with that person and understand more about their background and what happened in their story. And does this impact their ability to do this job or not? I mean, I can understand that, you know, there are certain roles, school teachers, for example, where there are certain criminal histories that may, you know, have an impact on whether it feels safe to have that person doing that job. But for the most part, it's irrelevant and starting to engage with people who've been in or out of the justice system as human as well. So that's the focus of the podcast. And I was really fortunate to have the full support of the firm. You know, the firm I was at was Castles and I want to shout them out because I really think that their leadership is exemplary and they really walk the walk. And so I came to them and said, I want to create this podcast. And they were supportive. They sponsored the podcast. They shared about it. It's not related to the work that they do, but they saw the need for it and the impact that it could have. And, and so supported me to bring it to life. That's awesome. And I've listened to every episode of your podcast. I've cried listening to your podcast. I've laughed listening to it. My husband listened to every episode of it with me because of the compelling storytelling and the guests and the way in which they share their own stories. And I really have to say, I think it's a really impactful piece of work. So thank you. I appreciate you talking about it because, you know, talking about your podcast makes me think about this concept that I dwell in sometimes, which I call the deep remembering. And it's that part of us that can travel back into different parts of our lives and remember what we were passionate about or what what mattered to us or what promises we made to ourselves about who we would be in the world and what we would do. And I've been on my own journey of deep remembering. And it's also something that I talk with my mentorship clients about. And so I love that in talking about the journey of that podcast, creating it really is a part of your own deep remembering from that time that you were with the young men who you were supporting through Peace Builders and witnessing their journeys. I mention this because I also think it's really important for people to remember that we shouldn't be hard on ourselves just because we've dreamed of things at different times in our life. It's about recognizing in the now when you're ready, what can you do and to actually do it. And so the fact that you, amidst all of these other very significant things that you've done in your career that you knew you needed to do this other piece and add that to your body of work, I think is really, really meaningful. Thank you. And totally agree. And I think that actually is also something I talk to people about a lot that sometimes we get the vision now and now isn't the time. And so to trust that you'll also know when it is the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to share about your intuition in your career and where you're at now? I guess the last key sort of piece of where I'm at now is I also intuitively had this vision a number of years ago, I'm going to say about four, of a holistic wellness concept meets kind of spa vibe that I felt would 
be able to really help people. I was trying to support myself, but in doing it, I would go for a massage here one day, or I would go for a facial here a different day, or I'd be scouring the internet, trying to find a sound bath somewhere. And maybe there was one available in like some back room two months from now. And I was like, there just has to be a better way than this. What if there's one place that people could go to where they could access a whole range of services and really just nourish themselves and maybe it's one service or maybe it's a half day or a full day but really a place to feel like you're leaving the city and entering this just really nourishing space and so this had been something in my space and to your point about the I know that this vision is to be brought to life and not now. That's Mm -hmm. where I sat with it for a couple of years and then ended up in conversation with a friend who is now my co-founder and we are had identical visions and are now bringing this space to life. And again, really clear on the intention of what we're doing, on the impact that we want to have, on the growth that we want to have, on the way that we want to be able to impact the world. And as a result, we are attracting amazing people and resources and everything that we need to bring this space to life. That sounds so incredible. And also really inspiring having just heard your whole career history and trajectory and the different zigs and zags which as you said if you weren't following your intuition you would have said well this is really random or maybe you did right these oh I'm opening a wax and laser business and I'm becoming a coach and doing all these things and yet here you're creating this what sounds like a sanctuary of wellness and expansion for people to step into to then tap into all of those things away from the hustle bustle of their everyday life Mm -hmm. yeah that's very exciting and we will put in the show notes for everyone listening the links to all of these very cool projects that Zoe's working on amazing thank you yes it's called Trove and it's opening in Toronto in the fall of 2023 And is it IRL only or will there also be online aspects of the business? There will be online aspects of the business. Okay. So if we have listeners that aren't based in Toronto, but in the States or other parts of the country or overseas, would they be able to participate? Yeah. Yeah. There will be certain offerings that will be available virtually. Amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. I have a couple more questions for you. Yeah. So when you think back to when you were a younger person, is there a moment that you can remember when you had a really clear intuitive hit about something? Yeah, actually before before that first hit that I had about going to law school, I had this moment that felt really wild and still kind of does when I look back on it. I was in New York City, I was in the back of a taxi cab on my way out to meet friends. I was by myself and all of a sudden, there's no other way for me to describe this. I I truly felt like I had had the wind knocked out of me, like couldn't breathe, tight chest. Like it it felt like I had had, yeah, had completely had the wind knocked out of me. And the only thing in my mind was Julia, which is my sister's name. And then within, probably what felt like a while, but probably a few seconds, my breath came back and and my, I guess my thought bubble was she's okay. And 
I sort of sat there for a minute and thought, huh, that was so weird. And then went about my night and the next morning woke up. So at the time my sister was in Thailand and I woke up to a message from her on Facebook. And also this is a lot of years ago and we're not talking about, you're just like, you know, jet setting around the world with your cell phone. Like you're going to an internet cafe and finding somewhere that you can write home. And so the next morning I wake up to a message from her on Facebook and it says something along the lines of, if you're with mom and dad, don't read this out loud. I'm okay. <laughs> and yesterday I had rented a moped. I hit a bump. I went flying off of it. I had the wind knocked out of me and then kind of my breath came back and I realized that I was okay. I'm really bumped and bruised and scraped, but I'm going to be totally fine. And I couldn't even believe it. I wrote back to her and I was like, I knew I, wow. I felt it. I felt it when it happened to you. And we kind of connected the time back and it happened at the same time. Um, yeah. Wow. And you just knew in your body that it had happened. Mm -hmm. I knew in my body that it had happened. Like I, I felt what happened to her happened to me and knew she was okay. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Did it shape your self-concept in terms of intuition being something more than what you thought? Or did you just let it go as this incredible connection you have with your sister? You know, I think my first reaction to it was really this incredible relationship I have with my sister and the way that I kind of related to it was people say that these kinds of things happen to twins and we're not twins but we are so deeply connected that I obviously just felt it a world yeah. away and I don't think I I never really thought more about it than that and I always just trusted that you know like sometimes there are just things that happen that are a little bit magical or mystical that we can't totally explain that to me still seem to always make sense. Yes. 100%. Yeah. And that, I mean, obviously that resonates with my own experience too. And I think the more present we become to the potential for those kind of connections and the, the more we stop second guessing ourselves and just, if you notice something like even if someone pops into your mind out of nowhere or you're randomly thinking about something randomly, right? Like we can't logically connect the thoughts. I think that's an invitation from your own inner knowing to explore it if you want. Mm -hmm. Or it's yes. an opportunity to set boundaries because, you know, in my experience, lots of things pop into my head and I can't possibly get through my day if I was to act on those little hits, right? Mm -hmm. Well, your parents have heard that story before. If they hear this, I, I have to assume yes. Yeah. And have, has your mom had moments like that with you ever? Yes. My mom has had many moments like that with me where she has no known that I was going to fall. Actually, that's happened a couple of times. Like a serious fall. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, there was there was a night that my family was on a trip in Poland, and we were going. We had dinner, and then we were going down into this little jazz cafe. And my mom turned around and looked at me and said, "Don't fall." And I was like, "Uh, 
okay. And did thought that was You're weird. Like, what are you and talking about? Totally. And was like, okay, whatever. And we went to the jazz bar. It was nice. My parents went back to the hotel. This was at a time in my life where I was a little bit more of a party animal, loved to party. So found a bar after that. My sister and I went out, had some drinks. I definitely had a few too many drinks and I tripped on the cobblestones walking home and I fell and I ripped open my leg and like blood everywhere, whatever. I was fine, but fine, but, but really banged up. And the next day, partway through the day, remembered her saying the thing about the fall and hadn't connected it to the fact that I did fall and chuckled and said, that was so weird. Why did you tell me not to fall on the stairs of that cafe? And she said, because I knew, look at you. I knew you were going to fall. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. She said, I knew you were going to fall. I obviously just got the timing wrong. And do you think that there's, you know, I think there are a lot of like we were saying, sibling relationships or parent-child relationships that have that deep intuitive knowing or a psychic connection or something that's unexplainable. Do you feel like that's the case with your family? Or do you think that there's something more even in the generations? Just out of curiosity, because we're there. On my mom's side of the family, definitely something in the generations. Yeah. And is that something you've heard stories about? Or how do you know? Yes, but but never actually clear stories because I think that there's been maybe a little bit of a shying away from really connecting to it deeply but certainly at least in the more recent generations but I think definitely a almost like a throwing out oh your grandmother or your great-grandmother was psychic or that kind of thing or had a really strong intuition but I've, I've never really been able to get much past that, but always known that there was a really deep intuitive connection in that whole lineage. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. Well, and it probably explains why your grandmother's around you all the time. Yeah. Yeah. As you're creating all these things. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Is there anything else that you want to share about your own experience of your intuition or your inner knowing and the way that you've experienced life and what you're creating? For anyone who is feeling like you know that there's something more, you know that there's this connection to your intuition or to a deeper knowing, or you have intuitive hits and you've been shying away from playing into that, playing with it, exploring, sharing, whatever the case may be, either because of your own maybe judgments, stories, limitations around it, or, and more so I think this is the case because of other people's judgments, stories, limitations, Mm -hmm. beliefs, whatever. Everything will shift when you actually just allow it and that doesn't mean that you have to lead with it and so while we're sitting here and i'm explaining this whole story about intuition being this thread through my whole career and my life and really what has led me to this absolutely mind-blowingly incredible place that i'm in right now where i truly feel like i am completely on fire living my purpose having the impact i'm here to have and all of these things Mm -hmm. 
I don't lead with it. I spend a lot of time working with people in corporate spaces. And while it, I am, as I've said before, completely authentically myself, it doesn't yes. mean that I have to, in the same way that I wouldn't say like, oh, I'm struggling with this thing around my health or my, I, I might, right? If I'm in a deep conversation with someone, but I don't necessarily lead with it. You also don't have to lead with, well, my intuition says this or that, or, you know, I had this intuitive download. You can, but, but allow yourself to play with it in a way of like, hey, you know what? I just had this idea. Maybe we can explore or, or right. trusting that these downloads that you're getting or these knowings that you're having are worth your time and thought and exploration and just allowing it a little bit more. Yeah, I, I hope that was clear. I think it was. And I also think you're touching on this, this piece that's so important to me around us being able to be our holistic selves. I think being integrated and being aligned in ourselves and aligned in all that we're creating and being and experiencing means exactly what you said, that we don't need to break it into those constructs all the time. Yeah, completely agree. You've had this incredibly exciting and inspiring career path where you've made brave changes, you've spoken your truth and allowed that to shape the way that you move forward. For listeners who are really desiring that in their hearts, but aren't sure how to take the first step, is there any advice that you have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love doing this work with people. So allow yourself to really get clear on the vision, the infinite possibility vision where there is nothing standing in your way. So if you notice that as you're trying to come up with the vision, you're like, oh, well, that's not possible because I don't have the skills or there isn't this kind of job or there isn't this kind of business or I have kids and this isn't going to work, whatever, whatever the stories are that you have that holds you back from creating the fullest expression of your vision for the purposes of this exercise, none of them exist. So in the most perfect world where everything falls into place to support you, what is the vision? What is the impact that you want to have? And with that as your guiding light, baby step by baby step, taking action towards creating that without, like we said earlier, knowing the how, you don't need to see the full staircase. You actually won't see it but you have to take that first step and then you take the next step and then you take the next step. And sometimes you might, you know, go back down a step and that's all okay. Because as you're taking this aligned action, that's starting to move you to that place, you're starting to create the life, the career, the dream that lives inside of you. That's so beautiful. So we thank you so much for coming on today. It has been such a joy to talk to you. And I feel so inspired and encouraged just by hearing your story and your clarity along the way too. Thanks so much, Sid. Thank you for inviting me and having me. It's been such a pleasure. To our audience, I want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, share, or click the notification button on your podcast platform. For those listening on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful for a five-star rating and a written review. 
This will also make it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you want to connect with me more, please join me on Substack. I will be posting longer-form written pieces about my intuitive changemaker journey, as well as bonus audio content and having online discussions with the Intuitively Aligned podcast community. You can also find me in the Third Eye Library on Mighty Networks, through Instagram at Sydney Rebecca. yes, that's Sydney Rebecca without an A on the end, or through my website, www.sydneybloom.com. I also want to give a shout out to our podcast producer, Wilson Lynn, and I want to thank you again for joining me on this journey. I can't wait for you to hear the next episode.